Hello and welcome to The Golfing Mind, the podcast which looks at the game of golf in general and the mental game of golf in particular. It's a very curious thing um, when you see how much game improvement technology is sold annually worldwide. And when you look at uh, the amount of uh, online programs available, golf magazines. Now, I've been reading golf magazines on and off for 40 years. And every golf magazine every month has a number of instructional articles. Now, I don't know about you, but one has to assume they've covered the every, every nuanced type of shot uh, you can imagine. And yet every month, someone's trying to teach us something new. And I wonder if we end up with, what do they used to call it in business? Um, paralysis by analysis. I don't know if we sometimes burden ourselves with too much knowledge. And in doing so, we, we confuse ourselves. And when I look at my own game and what I have done in terms of self-knowledge and self-education, I'm a great believer in picking one book. I mean, that might sound a bit sort of uh, narrow in my thinking, but find a book that you read, you that resonates, you think, oh, I can do that. My particular book, the book I really enjoy, is by Tommy Armour, and it's called How to Play Your Best Golf All, uh, all the Time. And I'm not sure when it was first, first published, but I have a funny feeling it was back in the 1930s. Tommy Armour was a very, very good Scottish golfer, a professional, and he fought in the First World War and lost an eye. So he then, after the war, I think 1920, went to America to play on, there was no professional tour as such, but he got a job, I think, as a teaching pro. And he went on to win the US Open. I may have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure he won the US Open. And um, he wrote this book, How to Play Your Best Golf All the Time. And it is incredibly simple. And I read it and go, oh, that's right, that's good. It didn't get over technical. And I think one of the challenges we have in golf and in life is that things become more technical or more complex in the pursuit of perfection. And listen, if there was a secret move in golf, as Hogan had sort of alluded to, we would have found it. Somebody would have found it. And I've watched a lot of video analysis of uh, various golfers when they say, you see, that's a special move. That's the secret move. It isn't a secret move. It's a move that works for them. I remember watching footage of Bobby Jones, the great Bobby Jones, and I was amazed how many moving parts his swing had and how he went up, his heels came off the ground at impact. Now, I had a habit of having my heels come off the ground at impact, which was fine when my timing was perfect. But if it was anything less than perfect, I could top it, thin it, or hit it fat. So I think our golf swing is a bit like our signatures. Some people have similar style of writing, but their signatures aren't the same. So for me, I think it's good having a book that becomes your reference when you are trying to work something out. If you have a problem, I would definitely recommend seeing a professional because they'll see it or they'll understand what you're doing wrong and know how to help you fix it. And that's of what we want to do, not compound our errors, but fix our errors. 
So it kind of brings me on to today's topic, which is a combination of the, the game and the mental game, and I call it the fear factor. You know, if we have anxieties uh, in life, they inhibit us. They will cause us to hold back, pull back, avoid. Um, and that's never, you know, really optimal when it comes to performing. On the golf course, one of the things that I have discovered is people are afraid of looking foolish. You know, sometimes people are more afraid of looking foolish than they are of playing bad golf. Now, obviously, that's our ego at play. But this fear, this inability to uh, just let go and play golf is something we need to address. So I'd like to give you a couple of thoughts about it is number one, it being anxious or a little fearful is quite normal. In fact, it's perfectly normal. What's not normal is to stay in that state. And it's a little bit like, and I can go back to my experiences when I used to skydive. And on the day of a jump, you know, you'd wake up and you'd be excited. You get to the airfield and you get your parachute checked and you get yourself all dressed up. You sign up to get on the plane. They give you buy a ticket and they say you're on jump load number six and then the plane lands. You're getting nervous. At that point, you're thinking, right, you want to make sure everything's working. You've got your harness on. The reserve parachute's been packed and checked. You've, you've got your altimeter working, your audible altimeters. And then you get the plane in a state of, you know, everyone's smiling in the outside, but I'm not sure they are on the inside. And that right altitude, sometimes you'd be reasonably relaxed, but more often than not, out of a little, the butterflies in my stomach would be sort of fluttering around. Um, and when I got to the door, it kind of accelerated. But the instant I left the aircraft, it went away because at that moment, I was in the moment. And I talk about this a lot. Um, and somebody once said to me, you can't be happy and sad at the same time. And I don't think you can be in a state of fear and a state of pleasure at the same time. So what... I found work for me very well in skydiving was to remind myself to be in the moment. Yet I met people who told me for the first 10, 15, 20 jumps, the fear continued when they left the aircraft. Even though they were in the moment, they were afraid what might go wrong at any given moment. And they said they were quite stiff and it took them a while to progress. I then meet people who get 10 and 12,000 jumps and I ask them, do you get nervous? And they go, yeah, they do because that's normal, but not during the jump. So when we're playing golf, recognize that fear is normal and it's natural, but to stay in the state means our focus is not on the, on the outcome, our focus is on ourselves and it makes us too self-aware. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to let go. When I was uh, working, as a, when I was a student, I got a summer job working in a bakery and out of the oven used to come these wire cages that were very very hot and they were full of fresh bread we had to stack them up into i think 12 high and there were the pot the last two or three uh, trays would almost be at head and above head height so they're quite big old things and i remember we were building one once and it started to wobble and i was getting a bit distressed about this going oh i think this is going to fall over and the supervisor, who actually wasn't a supervisor, come to think of it, he was just another fellow working in a bakery factory, 
just looked at me and said, well, if it falls, it falls. You know, we've done our best, uh, but if it falls, it falls. And I stopped worrying about it. And I thought he's right. You know, we're not trying to make it fall. We're trying to prevent it from falling. But if the fundamental shape of the uh, sort of the wire cages are compromised, it's very probable it's going to fall. As it turns out, it did fall. And that was that. That's not a great outcome. And it wasn't the preferred outcome, but it took a lot of the stress away from the situation. I think the same thing is true in golf. You know, you can hit the shot, but then the outcome is out of your hands. This is especially true in putting. People can get labored over a four foot putt, convincing themselves, I must not miss this putt. Oh, it's only a four foot putt. I shouldn't miss this. And they get themselves into quite a, a, a like a, a wired state, tense. If they make the putt, it's not joy they feel, it's relief. And if they miss the putt, it's anger and frustration. And they carry that anger and frustration into the next hole and onto the next green. And the next four foot putt becomes more anxiety provoking. Look, everybody wants to play well and everybody wants to, to win. And we all want to really enjoy our golf. But if we're going to make it conditional on playing well all the time, you know, I don't know <laughs> what you're doing. You know, you're, you're making it hard for yourself. As I used to remind people, golf is a game. We play games for fun. Don't make your fun conditional on, on winning and playing well all the time. Don't get me wrong. Do I enjoy missing a four foot putt? No, I have no joy. But do I beat myself up? Definitely not. I played, funny enough, yesterday. And I missed. And they'd hollow time the greens and put a lot of sand on them as it's coming into the growing season. So it's like putting over a gravel path. And for the benefit of the course I played, I won't mention its name. But interestingly, uh, I missed two putts of about under two feet and the ball just tracked away and I didn't hit it firmly and I thought to myself I could miss these putts and both the putts were for halves and the my playing partner didn't give them to me and I didn't want to miss them and I thought I could miss them but I, I, I babied them, I tried to guide it in, whatever. It didn't go in and there you have it. Now do I did I get angry and upset? I genuinely, hand in heart, I didn't because it happens. The greens weren't in great shape. I didn't feel confident. Long putts were easy, but those short putts, not the case. So letting it go. And that's the two things I think we can do to manage the fear factor. Number one is to, to be in the moment. Don't, and have anticipation, but don't bring it into the shot. Let's almost step into the shot and away from that, leave it behind you, be in the moment. And the second thing is to let go of the outcome. Now I know that's difficult, but let go and you'll be amazed at how much freedom it puts into your swing and your game. And that's really it. But if I was gonna recommend a golf book, I would really encourage you, and this isn't um, a, a paid endorsement or anything, it was How to Play Your Best Golf All the Time um, by Tommy Armour. And uh, they've done a reprint uh, but to put it in context for you, if you were to try and buy a, a hardcover version 
of the original book, it would cost you some of the region of uh, £250. So it's a keenly sought after book. It's fantastic. So that's my recommendation. That and Silent Mind Golf written by me. So there you have it. As I say at the end of every podcast, if you're interested in developing your mental game, uh, go to the website, the link's on the podcast, and uh, first lesson's free. And uh, who knows, if you were to do it, I believe you will notice a huge improvement in your game, four to five shots around within a couple of weeks. That seems to be what I'm, the feedback I'm getting. So until we meet again, play good golf, enjoy yourself and take care. All the best. <laughs>